At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Overflow, from Him, through us, for all, as we explore Paul's letter to the Church of Corinth. Together, we'll focus our attention on the gifts of God and see that we're not meant to keep His blessings to ourselves, but to live as vessels of His abounding grace. The Apostle Paul says, In this manner I give my judgment, that this benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but to also desire it as well. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness." As it is written, whoever gathered much had left nothing over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God, who put it into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many manners, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for speaking and thank you for showing us your grace abundantly in Christ. We, we have all that we have and so much more, every spiritual blessing because of what Christ has accomplished and earned for us on the cross. And Lord, we would long this morning to be uh, changed and to grow and to reflect your generosity and your, your grace to the world and to the church. And so, Lord, as we hear your word today, would you speak to us through it? Would you use what's here to shape our own thinking and living so that we uh, display Christ well and that we magnify him in all things? Humble us, ready us, and, and be glorified in us today. And we pray and ask this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Well, how do you get the most out of limited things? If, if, you're, if you're like me in any way, you like to squeeze everything that you can out of, out of experiences or opportunities or resources that, that have limitations on them. You want to fully be able to enjoy a maximum capacity 
the limited things that we, that we have in this life. So, so in instance of time, many times uh, if you're planning a vacation or you're getting ready to go somewhere to get some time off, you, you don't want to just lose that time and see it just kind of uh, drop off in some way. You want to maximize uh, your time out. You want to take full advantage of, of the vacation you get. If you're traveling to somewhere um, unique that has some, some museums, there's whatever you want to see, you want to maximize your time in that place and, and really enjoy it. Or consider if you're enjoying and have the limited experience of a really fine meal. I mean, it is the best food that you can think of. How do you maximize that experience, right? Well, you, you take your time with it. You, you savor every bite. You, you make sure that you enjoy it to its best. You don't rush, just rush through it. We really want to maximize and experience the best and the fullest of, of things that we have limitations around and on. And so it's one thing for us to talk, as we have been over the last few weeks, about generosity and grace and giving. But if you're practical, and I think many of you are, one of the big questions that we often think about is, how do I really maximize what I'm giving? How, how, does, how does the gift that I have really, really become useful in a deep and powerful way? I mean, nobody here, and we get asked all the time in our lives, everybody is always seeming to ask us in one way or another for money. We get this question a lot. We don't want to be people to just kind of take our money and just like, just scatter it everywhere and, and not see it really meet an important need or have a deep impact. How do we, how do we maximize the giving that we, that we have, the giving that we do in a great way? How do we see it used in the best way? Well, I want to be a little bit like, if I can pardon the sports analogy today, I want to be a little bit like a head coach. I think some of the best coaching in the world helps people maximize their own limitations, whether it's sports or, or any kind of coaching at all. People who have limitations in one way or another find those limitations expanded and grown through great coaches. And, and if I could allow uh, myself as I preach this morning to, to function a little bit as a coach for you in this way and really let the Word of God help direct our hearts in this, I, I want to help us maximize the generosity that we uh, express and the generosity that we are called to in the best way possible. And to do that, I want to I draw up a play, as it were. Again, forgive the sports analogy, but it's the best way I know how to talk about things, and, and I hope you'll track along with this. Or maybe it's a math equation. Maybe that will help some of you out who, who maybe don't track with the sports thing. But I want to drop a play for us or give you a little equation this morning. How, the question is, how do we see our giving maximized, or where does it meet maximum impact? And, and here's what the, the play looks like. It's, it's two parts. Already giving plus reliable partnerships equals maximized giving, or the equation there. Take ready giving, being, being desirous to give, being ready to give, and, and adding that to reliable partnerships, organizations, churches, ministries that you can partner with well, that are, that are faithful and good. You take that giving and that partnership and you put it together, you've got a maximized place of impact in your generosity. Put it like this, ready giving excels. Our, our readiness to give, it actually excels with reliable partnership. This is what Paul has called the Corinthian church too. He says in, in verse 7, as you excel in everything, 
I think it's a little bit hyperbolic of, of Paul because the Corinthian church is a little bit of a mess too, but, but in their eyes, they're, they're doing really well. They're a big deal. And so he just leans into them and says, as you excel in everything, as you excel in faith, as you excel in speech, as you excel in knowledge, as you excel in all earnestness, and especially as you excel in our love for you, he says, see that you also excel, don't miss this, see that you also excel in this act of grace also. This act of grace that he has been talking about has been the act of grace or the contribution that the Corinthian church was going to make to the Jerusalem church that was suffering a significant famine and loads of poverty. The, the Jerusalem church was in dire straits. And the churches in Macedonia to the north and in Greece here, including Corinth, they had all committed to, contributing to, and sending along resources to help out their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem and Judea. And Paul's, saying, Paul's been saying to them, okay, it's time. I'm sending a delegation to you. I'm going to come. It's time for you to have that offering ready. In fact, he had, he had been talking with them a year earlier about that gift and prepared them for it. And, and so now, a year later, it's time. He told them in 1 Corinthians 16, uh, 16, at the beginning of every week, set aside something so that you may have something to give so it might be stockpiled up and stored up so that when we come, that gift is ready and we can take it right on to Jerusalem to meet the need, to see it maximized. So he says, see that you excel in this act of grace as well. So how do we excel? How does our giving, and I want this to be practical for us, how does this, this act of grace, our giving, our generosity, how do we make sure that it's maximized? that it excels. If you're new with us here this morning, uh, I know you're going to be kind of diving into a little bit of a, some uh, in-house conversations. I'm speaking particularly to our, our members and our regular attenders about our giving and our generosity, but I hope this has implications for all of us, whether you're new here or not, about how we live and how we embrace and how we extend the grace of God in our lives. The motivation that Paul has talked about for our generosity is the grace of God Himself. That Christ came and gave himself for us. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. The motivation for us to give it all, to support the needs of others, to see the, the mission of the gospel advance, is because Christ gave himself for us. And so, generosity. Where we are generous, we are displaying the kindness and grace of God in our lives. But how do we maximize that? So let's get around to this question. I want us to be generous. I want us to hold with open hands the resources that God has given us and be good stewards of them. And I want your giving to be maximized. So how do we do that? Let's take this equation together. First of all, ready giving or fulfill your eagerness. This is how Paul speaks about it. In verses 10 through 15, he talks to them about how they are going to give. In verses 16 to 24, he'll talk to them about where they are going to give. But in verses 15 to 10, or 10 to 15, he's talking about how they should give. And he says, fulfill your eagerness. Notice that the Corinthians wanted to give. It was their initial desire. This isn't the first time that they've heard about this need in Jerusalem. This isn't the first time Paul has approached this uh, need or this question and said, hey, would you guys be in? They've been talking about it a whole lot. Even up to a year earlier, this thing has been in front of them. And so he says, in this matter, Paul says, I give my judgment. In talking about generosity and giving, Paul says, here, let me, let me give you my, my thoughts here. He's coaching us into this as well. Let me give you my judgment. This giving, this gift benefits you. 
That's a little bit interesting there because Paul kind of turns it around. He says, you would think that giving benefits them, and it will, but, but your generosity here, you're following in Jesus' way. You're seeing His becoming poor for your sake so that you might become rich. When you see that, like that, that, can, that can benefit you. That's for your good. So our participating in the grace of God and His acts of grace towards others, it's something that's good for us. Generosity, giving is a good thing. And as he says, as it benefits you, note this, he said, who a year ago started to do this. A year ago. Now think about that. Paul had been with the Corinthians a year prior, told them of the need of the Jerusalem church. He had talked to them about what they were going to do, and the Corinthians got excited. They were were motivated. They're hearing about people in Jerusalem who have no food. They're Christians. They're hearing about how the Jews are persecuting the Christians and causing them to scatter, and, 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 and they're sitting there going, what can we do to help them? And the idea comes along, well, let's raise some funds. Let's, let's give generously. Let's give, and let's send that offering to them to, to meet their need. And the church, the Corinthians are like, absolutely. We are so in on that. We desire that so much. It's a a good point for us to note here when the Spirit of God prompts us and shows us a need and prompts us to to carry that out, go after it. You'll you'll never regret being open-handed and and generous here. And and Paul says, this benefits you. A year ago, you started not only to do this work, but also you began to desire it as well. He says, you you guys started talking about it. You started thinking about it. You began to desire it. You began to get some things in motion about it. You followed my instruction, maybe to a little degree at the beginning of every week. You began to set something aside. You brought an offering to the church, and you, and you stored it there so the gift could be ready. But, but now he's speaking to them, and it seems like the, the intentions are only there, and the action isn't. Like they, they desired it, but they weren't really ready to carry through. And Paul here says, he says, you, you started this a year ago, verse 11 now. He says, so now finish doing it as well. Carry out your good intentions. See to it that you act on what you desire to do. Maybe you've heard the saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And think about that. You know, we can, yeah, I've got all sorts of good intentions. One day I'll be generous. One day I'll meet the needs of the poor. One day I'll pursue holiness. One day I'll, I'll, I'll spend time in knowing God's word better. One day I'll, one day I'll. One day, I'll, and, and we push and punt down the road the one day, our intentions, but that day never really comes, does it? Their intentions without actions are no good. And Paul's saying, Corinthians, you've got desire, you have intentions, but let's act on them. It's time to do this. In verse 11, this, this command, now finish doing it as well, it's the only command in the entire passage. He's talking about how to give, where to give, being generous. This is the only command in the whole passage. Finish it. Take your desire, take your intention, and capitalize on it so that your readiness in desiring it, as he says, is matched by completing it. Readiness, desire has to be met with completion. We've got to follow through. We've got to carry it out. 
So, so it's a note to me and maybe to you as well that, that oftentimes we sit and we talk about being generous. I sit in, in new member classes or Next Step Pathway classes with, with many of you, and you've expressed, hey, I, I desire to give. I want to be generous to the church. And so I want to encourage you, carry it out. Follow through on it. Let your readiness and your desire be matched by completing that gift. You might say, okay, how much? How much do I need to give? What does that look like? How, should, how much should I give? And notice here what Paul says at the end of verse 11. I think this is a really important concept for us to think about in terms of giving as Christians. Finish doing it as well so that your readiness and desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. Out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has. Paul here, he stacks it up twice. Basically, he's saying, give according to what you have. He says in verse 12, give according to what that person has. It's acceptable. So if you long to give, great, give. Give according to what you have, not according to what you do not have. The Bible isn't calling Christians to give what they don't possess. Scripture is calling us. It doesn't say go take out loans or go into deep debt to give generously. God is saying, what have I given you? What resources do you have? Some of you have many resources. You've got an abundance. Give according to that. Many of you don't have great resources. You have limited resources. Okay, give according to that. Well, the principle is not a percentage. It's not a tax. It's not a structured tier. It's a matter of looking at what God has given you and saying, what can I give? According to what I have, how will I give? That's maximized giving. And, and, and you don't have to wait for your gift to be maximized. You don't have to wait for the perfect moment or save it for a rainy day. Giving according to what you have is kind of this look at your life, look at your budget regularly. Look at week in and week out and say, what do I have this week? What can I give? Build in that generous rhythm within your life, and that will free up your heart and your hands to give all the more. And that's why he says, for if the readiness is there... So if the Lord prompts you in a way to give, if the Lord shows you a need to meet, if you're just challenged to give faithfully and regularly to the church each week, if the readiness is there, God's not saying, hey, store it up and wait and find a better day to give it. He's saying, meet it, complete it now with what you have, out of what you have. It's the principle of proportionate giving. Giving that excels isn't necessarily big gifts only. Giving that excels is giving out of what you have, proportionate to what you have. Everybody has something, some more, some less, you can give. So give according to what you have. I like the way Randy Alcorn in the book Treasure Principle, which we've been reading as a, as a campus together through our life groups, I like the way he puts it in Treasure Principle number one, God owns everything, and you and I are his money managers, and he's given us resources. So you have limitations, but you can give out of those limitations, and that can be maximized. You can excel in that giving. So fulfill your eagerness. Fulfill your eagerness not only in giving, but fulfill your eagerness in seeking to provide where others lack. Paul continues to go on in verse 13. He says, for I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. There was a concern there. Well, wait a second. If we give to the Jerusalem church and like that gift is huge and it meets their needs, all of a sudden they're going to be living the posh life and we're going to be, we're going to be down and out. We're going to be struggling. We're going to have a hard time paying the bills. Paul says, no, 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 no. I don't mean that you should be eased or others should be eased and you burdened, 
But I want there to be fairness, he says. But as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need and that there may be fairness. The term here, fairness, is literally equality or equity. He's saying that where God is given much, He wants to redeploy and redistribute that much to meet the needs so that there is balance and there is equality among the people of God. As we, as we give, he is trying to, God is trying to show us how our giving really does care for the goodness and the needs of the church. Your abundance at the present time, Paul says, so the, the Corinthian church was pretty wealthy. They were pretty affluent. They had a lot. And the Jerusalem church, they're not doing so well. They're in famine. They're in persecution. They're suffering. They have the need. So Paul's saying, God wants to take what you have, what he's given you, and supply to their need so that there may be fairness, so that there may be equity. Nevertheless, never mind the fact that God has supplied the need of the Corinthians from the Jerusalem church. He said, how did that work? Well, the gospel came from Jerusalem to start with. The disciples were there as they heard the word of Jesus, as they saw the crucifixion and the resurrection. They were sent to the world. And these spiritually poor, spiritually dead Corinthians who had no hope, no life, no walk with God at all, they were sent the riches of God's grace from Jerusalem. And so the Corinthians' spiritual lack was met by the Jerusalem Christians' abundance spiritually. And Paul's saying, now their physical need can be met by your physical abundance. So there's equity, there's fairness. It's good. Scripture is clear that we are not to store up and hoard for ourselves. It's greed. God despises that. In fact, the Scriptures are are replete in saying that if you have an abundance and your brother or sister in Christ is lacking, you're obligated, you're called to supply their need. Think about how this worked in the early church and what we read in Acts, Luke's account of the early church in Acts chapter 4. He says, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. They were sharing. They were contributing to each other. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many were owners of lands or houses, they sold them and brought their proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. And don't let your modern economic frameworks and systems override this text. Don't don't let them restrain you from being generous and seeing how God wants to redistribute and redeploy what He has given us to meet the needs of those who are suffering and hurting. God has given each of us to supply the needs of the ministry and to care for each other perfectly. There is enough resources in the church to meet the needs of the church and beyond. And so we shouldn't be stingy. We shouldn't hoard. Maximized giving is giving that takes your abundance and supplies those needs. And you say, well, is God against some people being wealthy and some people being poor? I like what John Calvin says here. He says, I acknowledge indeed that we are not bound to such equality as would make it wrong for the rich to live more elegantly than the poor, but there must be such an equality that nobody starves and nobody hoards his abundance at the other's expense. Isn't that what it means to be in a family? To care for each other? 
to provide for each other, to meet the needs of each other. Our generosity, if it's maximized, is generosity that's desiring. It's, it wants to be fulfilled. It's, it's generosity that acts. It's generosity that's proportionate to what we have. And it's generosity that seeks to be equitable, to care for the needs. Paul shows this as a thoroughly biblical position by quoting Exodus 16, 18 and verse 15. He says, as it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Speaking about the people of God, the Israelites in the wilderness, when the manna came, God gave them instructions to give, to gather, to take up, to supply. God was supplying for their needs, and they were distributed and met in the right way so that everybody had exactly what he needed. And it was all from God's grace and his hands. There was equity in the early church by the giving and caring for the needs of each other. Which all this leads me to ask the question. Do you desire to give in this way? Are you fulfilling your intentions to give? Do you excel in giving? Let me put it like this. Is your giving being maximized? Do you have this first part of the equation down? Some practical ways about thinking about it. You give, actually. But it's not just intentions or, or desires, but it's actual action. You, you, you plan for, you, you engage in. When there's a need, you give. You, you regularly, faithfully contribute to the ministry of the church, you give, is that part of it? Do you give out of what you have? Again, God's not asking you to go into debt to give. He's just saying, look at what you have week in, week out. What can you give? Do you give out of what you have? And do you give from abundance to supply need? Are there, are there areas and, and resources in your life where you have an abundance of and you know others lack and you can supply and meet those needs as well? I, I want to just spend a few moments identifying some realities about our generosity as a church and as a campus. And, and this is where we'll spend just a few moments in a little housekeeping, if you will, or, or data finding. Because, because the numbers tell me something, and I, and I hope that they'll tell you something as well. And so our finance team at Woodside has supplied these, these, these data points for me. And I just want you to see them so that you can consider where are you at in generosity? Where are you at in, in excelling? In, in the last fiscal year, 2020, 2021, and actually our fiscal year ends uh, as a church this next week. This is our last Sunday of the fiscal year, so April 30th is the last day of the fiscal year for us as a church. At our campus, we have uh, 200 households, about 200 households that are part of our church campus, and 151 of those households give, have given at some point in the last year. So at one point or another, whether it's weekly or just one-time offering, 75% of our regular attenders and members have given at Plymouth in the last year. Okay, that's just a point for you to consider and think about. Of those, uh, of our church family, 71% of our regular attenders and members gave $1,000 or less in the last year. So 71% of the church family gave $1,000 or less. 18% of our, our church family gave between $1,000 and $4,999. So 18% gave that in that category. And then lastly, 12% of our regular attenders and members gave more than $5,000. Now, I just show you this. I don't know who's who in all of this, but I show you this just so that you know where you sit in this. You, you can identify, here's, here's where you are in that. Overall, at Woodside as a whole, and our campus uh, fits within this 
data point as well. Overall, among all the campuses at Woodside, 74% of our budget each year, $18 million budget for our church, 74% of our budget is given by 20% of those who give at Woodside. 20% of the givers at Woodside as a whole give 74% of our overall budget. So that's just the 80-20 rule playing itself out there. And when you think about it, and this last data point is just helpful for us in terms of our region and our income. In uh, the Plymouth, Kent, Northville, Livonia kind of area that we live in, the median income for our campus region is $75,000 per year. So median income, 50% of of the people uh, make more than $75,000 a year annual income, 50% make less. So median, $75,000. So again, I share these data points with you. I don't want to guilt you. I'm not trying to shame you. I just want you to look at and assess your own giving patterns and budgets and habits and go, okay, where do I fit in this? And does that mean I am being faithful and that I am being reliable, like I am eagerly wanting to give and being generous in in the way God has been generous to me? And let me suggest what this data tells me about our campus. It tells me first and foremost that we can grow in this area. There is a lot of, uh, just from where I stand, there's a lot of abundance that God has provided among our church family here in this area. We live in a very affluent area of of the city. We live in a very affluent, and we have many uh, who are very, very affluent among us. We can grow in this as a church family. Even those among us who wouldn't say they're very affluent, we can grow together. 71% of our church family gave less than $1,000 this year. That just tells me we we can improve. We can grow in that. Our campus, even more so, given where we are positioned in relationship to other campuses, because of the the fluent nature of this region and area, our campus needs to grow and can excel in this area of financial giving. But campuses with lower incomes, lower median incomes in their region, several of them are more generous than we are. They're excelling us. And so this principle of equity or fairness I think it needs to come into play more so. We have been given much. We can supply much. I want us to maximize our giving. I want to see it excel. So here's what we have to do. We have to give, right? Give. Give out of what we have. And we're not asking for anything more than, than what God has supplied for us and what you're able to. And, and give from our abundance to meet need. Fulfill your eagerness. That's what Paul says here. So that's part one of the plan, part one of the play, ready giving. It's like the quarterback throwing the ball, but there's got to be a wide receiver on the other end to catch the ball in the end zone and score the touchdown, and the Lions are going to need one again this year. What's part two for us, okay? So we're going to make the pass. We're going to give. We're going to call us to that. We've got to receive. Somebody, some, somewhere it's got to land. What's that look like? Well, this is the, the, the other principle of reliable partnership. So ready giving plus reliable partnership equals maximized giving. What does reliable partnership look like? I mean, like I said, we, we have people asking us, we have organizations asking us for charitable donations all the time. You can't escape it. So how do you know that where you give is going to be a place where your gift is maximized? How do you know that where you're going to give is, is really going to cause you to excel in giving? Because right, you could just go out and throw money off the top of a building and say, hey, I gave, but is that, is that really going to be pointed and focused and impacting giving. And so I want to show you from verses 16 to 24, here's where Paul kind of moves the conversation, and he talks about where the Corinthians should give. And I want to help us see 
and, and have some categories for how we think about where we give to. And I want to make the argument from these verses that the predominant regular place that you should give, the predominant regular place you should give is to the local church. So I am, I'm advocating for you to give to Woodside as the predominant regular place. But I also want to give you, in giving you some of these characteristics, help you see and help you discern where other good places to give as well. So first and foremost, you should give to the local church, but then from that, how can your giving be really maximized uh, outside of that or, or beyond that as well? Paul says here, follow through with reliability. Follow through with reliability. You need to have a place where you trust and you know it's reliable in their administration of the gift. And Paul is sharing with them, hey, let me tell you, he says, about the leaders that I'm sending your way, who you can trust and be confident in, and as you give this gift, it's going to go right to the right place so that you excel in this. Paul here shows four characteristics of, why, of, of what it looks like, what the leaders who you are giving to embody, so that when you give, you can, be tr- you, you can trust them and you can know your giving is being maximized in this. Let me show you these four characteristics of leadership among the places that you're giving. First of all, the best places to give the places that have reliability, are led by leaders who care for your maturity. They care for your maturity. Notice with me in verses 16 and 17 what Paul says here. He says, Thanks be to God who put it in the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. Now here's this other leader, this partner of ministry with Paul, Titus. And he says, Titus has come along and he has this same care that I have for you. Paul would lay down his life for the Corinthians and Titus would too. And Titus shows up, and Titus is like, I want to be a part of this, Paul. Can you, can you send me? He said, Paul says, he not only accepted our appeal, they were saying, Titus, will you go? He accepted that, but being himself very earnest, he is going of his own accord. It wasn't like we just called him and said, hey, Titus, you're up. You get to go to, Corinthians, or to Corinth and deal with these guys. Titus wanted to. Why? Because he cared for them. He was vested in their spiritual growth and maturity. He wasn't just coming like the IRS to exact a tax and say, here's what you owe, thank you very much, I'm on my way out. Titus wanted to spend time to pray over, to serve, and to bless them. That's a great point of demonstrating reliability in where you give. The leaders of that organization, that church, that place are eager for your spiritual maturity and growth. They they, want to see you flourish. They want to see you grow. The Bible talks about giving to support your pastors and your local church because we care for you. We we long to see your spiritual development. We long to see your, your wholeness. We long to see the gospel go out in your life. So if your giving is to go to podcast pastors or orgs that don't care for your maturity and who aren't engaged in your life, if you're giving to to resources and places where they're not connecting with you at all or serving or helping you grow in any way, you may give to good things, okay? Hear me well on that. You may give to good places, but you're not giving to places where your giving is maximized. And Paul says, this is for your benefit. So look look for the church, look for leaders that are vested in and concerned for your maturity, just as Titus was for the the maturity and the care of the Corinthians. The second characteristic is to look for leaders who are faithful with the proclamation of the gospel. This is all about maximized giving, right? Giving that excels. Your giving should make a spiritual impact. And Paul says, I want you to give, I want you to see how this is not just about giving to meet a humanitarian need. This is giving to see the gospel advance. And so he says, 
in verse 18, with him, with Titus, we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. I think it's a little funny here that the guy who's famous among all the churches for preaching the gospel, we don't know his name. He's so famous that we can't, like, he's lost to history. It's probably a good thing because his heart and his life was for Christ and the gospel. He didn't need to be put on a pedestal. But there he is. He's being sent. Paul didn't need to name him. The Corinthians know exactly who's coming their way. We're sending this guy who's famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. Here's Paul says, we're sending this guy who's going to preach, he's going to share the gospel, it's going to have an impact in your life. He is gospel-focused, laser-focused, because we want this to count for eternity. We want this to matter for eternity. And his heart, his aim is for the glory of the Lord himself, verse 19. You're giving in places where leaders are faithful with the proclamation of the gospel, it impacts eternity. Maximized giving finds its source in giving to where the greatest gift is given, the gospel itself where it's boldly, compassionately, clearly proclaimed. So so yes, you can give to humanitarian efforts. That's good. That's okay. But maximum impact finds itself when you give to places and the leaders who are passionate, laser-focused, clear about proclaiming the gospel because they care not just about meeting physical needs, but spiritual needs as well. It's the heart and the soul and the body. When the gospel isn't preached and proclaimed, your gift in that place isn't maximized for eternity. It meets a few momentary needs. And Paul says this is for the glory of God himself and to show our goodwill. So leaders who are committed to your care, leaders who are faithful with the proclamation of the gospel. Thirdly, the third characteristic, leaders who serve in community together. Now again, this is about maximum impact. Here, what does Paul say in verse 20? We take this course of action. So we've got Titus coming to you. We've got the brother who's so famous that we don't even know his name. He's coming. And we take this course of action so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. Now, Paul, is, he's got a third person he's going to mention here in just a minute. But he is sending a trio of leaders who are going to handle the money here well and faithfully. And that's, that's out of accountability, that's out of integrity, that's out of forthrightness and clear stewardship together. He says, we aim to be honorable among you. We don't want anyone to blame us. We, there's not going to be any room for accusation of like, oh, he was embezzling off the top or, you know, five for you, one for me kind of thing. This is a, this is a team effort where there's accountability, there's integrity, there's transparency. We aim at what is honorable, not only in God's sight, but also in yours. There, there are many organizations have excellent practices of transparency and accountability and financial stewardship, and that's good. The church should be the best among them. You don't want to give somewhere and your gift be squandered or stolen or used poorly. So there has to be these practices. There has to be good administration and accountability and audits. And let me just tell you, at Woodside, we have an incredible team of financial managers and overseers who ensure that every dollar that you give is maximized well. There's no individual in a back room who's skiffing money off the top for themselves. We have good, faithful processes and practices of accountability, wise budgeting, 
There's no fiscal games, backdoor funds. It's open-handed and, and held with integrity. You as a congregation have a view in on that. We want you to see. We want you to know. So I want to invite you, and, and we put this out there every year, but I want to again invite you to join us for our annual celebration on May 16. That's where our congregation votes on the budget for the year ahead. And here's the report of how, how those funds in their prior year were used and distributed and how we plan to use those in the year ahead. That's an important and, and valuable time for you to get that information and that transparency on our giving. It's good so you know that there's proper stewardship. If you give to the church that does this, your gift is going to be maximized. If you give to places and organizations where that's the case, it's going to be, going to be impactful. Our benevolent team here, even at our campus, functions in this way. There's a team of them that, that take what's been given to the Benevolent Fund, the Mercy Ministry, and they wisely, corporately together in community, distribute and see those funds given so there's accountability and that there's honor. It's an important characteristic. So look for leaders who care about your soul. Look for leaders who are faithful with the gospel. Look for leaders who lead and serve and administrate in community. And lastly, look for leaders who are mature and faithful. Verse 22 and with them, so there's one more person, we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many manners, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. So there's this third person, this third leader who's going along, and Paul says, he's been tested many times, and we've just found him full of integrity and faithfulness, and he's eager to be with you. He wants to serve in this way as well. He's not being compelled. He's not being forced against his will. He's eager and he's tested. That is to say he's mature, and he's ready to serve. Again, your giving, if it's going to be maximized, is going to be maximized among places, among stewardships and, and churches where the leaders are mature. They're faithful with what they've been given. They are wise stewards. Your giving won't be maximized if you give to places and people and organize, organizations that are inexperienced and immature and unfaithful and just foolish. And again, I, I want to just say I'm grateful for the leaders at Woodside the mature men and women who are faithful. At our campus here, our elder David Havrilla is a faithful, wise, godly man. He leads us well in that. Our deacons of benevolence, Paul Harris and Casey Buford and Heather McNabb, who's our staff liaison on that, they serve faithfully. They've been tested. They're wise. They're mature. Even the, financial, the finance committee at Woodside overall of our campuses they're, they're st it's staffed by wise, fiscally sound, mature believers that are part of our church. And this is the team that's going from Paul to Corinth. Titus, the gospel preacher, the faithful admin, they're all ready and they're going. And Paul says, this is for your benefit. They're, they're there for your good. Messengers of the churches. He says this in, in verse 20. As for Titus, he's my partner, my fellow worker for your benefit. As for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. And Paul's saying, I'm sending them so you can have full confidence in what you give. It's going to make a maximum impact. It's going to be distributed and administered well. And I know this may sound self-serving, but I want you to have that kind of confidence about giving at Woodside as well. I want you to have that same kind of confidence. I believe that we care about your maturity and your growth spiritually. I believe that we are laser-focused and faithful with the gospel. I believe that we and have seen that we work well in community of accountability and transparency together. I believe and have seen that our leaders are tested and they're faithful. And so I believe that when you give here at the church, you give to a place of maximum impact. 
Your eager giving, that's the first part of the equation, is partnered with or brought alongside reliability so that your gift excels. And this is the conclusion that Paul draws out. He says in verse 24, so give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. Paul says, we've told the other churches, we've told these guys, you love the church, you love the gospel of God. And we've, we've boasted about you, of your passion and zeal for that. So prove it, display it, show your generosity. Don't make us look foolish by our boasting about you, but, but demonstrate clearly your love and giving. Demonstrate clearly your maturity and generosity. Don't let it just be intentions and talk, but let it be action. And let that be the case for us as well. Give proof to the other campuses. Give proof to the, the name of Christ. Give proof to the church of your love for the church. Give proof and, and let, let our bragging about one another, let, let our boasting about Christ resound as we give and demonstrate His grace in all of life. Let's not, not just be talk, but action. Let's, let it not just be saying that we love but, and saying that we meet needs, but saying and doing that we love, doing that we meet needs, doing that the gospel matters. So let's put our money where our mouth is. Let's give and let's display the grace and generosity of God in all things. I want your giving to excel. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace that in Christ you have given us everything we need. In Christ, who was rich, yet for our sake became poor, so that we might, through his poverty, become rich, you have abundantly blessed us. So, Father, may we be people who excel in this act of grace. May we be people who don't just have intentions for generosity, but have lifestyles of generosity. And, Lord, may you use these gifts we faithfully steward them well to meet the needs of those around us in this world and to see the gospel advance. Lord, use these gifts that we give to send missionaries to the ends of the earth, to, to take the gospel to places we couldn't even imagine and to people that we, we had no idea would hear the gospel but because you sent them and supplied their need through our giving. Help us excel in this act of grace for your glory display your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.